Hi and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Reiki Corden. Reiki's mission is to creating a regenerative and financially rewarding solution for the current systemic crisis by merging financial and social technology with blockchain capability. He is facilitator and founder of Seeds, and Seeds is a payment platform and financial ecosystem to empower humanity and heal our planet. And so with these words, welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. It's beautiful to be here. I've actually really been enjoying your, your trend of interviews lately. I mean, just weaving together all these various voices into this whole cohesive movement. It's, an, it's incredible and beautiful. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for seeing it and thanks for being part of it. You know, it's, it's quite the interesting time because many of us come with this vision of an earth that works for everyone and, mm. you know, have found uh, teachers like Buckminster Fuller or, or others that have kind of, you know, kept that dream alive throughout the last century. But now in 2020, in times of a global pandemic, it's like we're, we're seeing that on the other side of the crisis, there's a huge opportunity. And that huge opportunity from a you know, financial and, and social tech perspective, I think you guys are answering with Seeds in a very unique way. And so I want to learn about Seeds today. I want to understand it from the creator's perspective and, and just invite people to take a very serious and very deep look into it. Yeah, great. So first, I'm not the creator. So you're not really getting creator's perspective, so to speak. Um, I truly deeply believe that this is something that wants to be born and everyone who's part of Seeds so far, the vast majority of them are showing up because they're like, they had this idea and they just didn't know how to put it together. They saw that something like this was happening and then they weaved what they are currently doing into this whole. So it's, it's definitely a co-created event that I think is kind of higher than us because we're getting all this information that doesn't actually make sense to us, but then we put it into context with everyone else and then it just makes this beautiful tapestry. So I do think it's something that's wanting to be birthed and we're just facilitating that. Beautiful. Um, that's why I call myself a facilitator. I'm just here to like hold space for this thing. Um, so then diving into what Seeds is, you mentioned Buckminster Fuller and I absolutely adore him. And I think he's got some incredible ideas about what a new civilization could look like. And a lot of people have throughout the last couple of centuries as you know, the wisest of us have seen the cracks and problems inherent within our current systems and then suggest, suggested all these alternatives. Um, the problem that I saw though is that they're too different from what we're currently have today. So there wasn't really a bridge to help us get from where we're at, how we're used to operating into this new paradigm that we're wanting and that we can see. So that's what we noticed was missing when we started you know, diving into seeds as a, as a system. The second piece is, you know, we say we're living through the modern renaissance and we're calling it the regenerative renaissance. And it's this explosion of ideas and technologies and social movements and, you know, all weaving together into this one cohesive whole that's actually giving us the possibility to try to radically change our paradigms, like how we're operating, how civilization's set up, like what that actually looks like. And I would say it's not unlike the medieval renaissance, but it's an order of magnitude greater. You know, the medieval resident, Renaissance happened in one particular location on our globe with a particular subgroup of people. But what's happening today, it's on a global scale. We have a global system that's globally connected. 
now this pandemic happened in one country, but it affected the globe. You know, our supply chains are global, our financial systems are global. Like everything that matters as far as civilization is concerned is at a global level. So we're dealing with a global renaissance right now where we as an entire humanity can get together and say like, hey, how do we transform our global systems to actually serve humanity, serve the planet? Because it's clear and probably to everyone listening to this that our current systems are broken. So I'm not gonna elaborate on any of the faults because I'm just gonna assume that that's you know, been covered. The faults are pretty obvious at this point and I think anybody who's, who's listening is attuned to them, right? We're, we're the solution team. We're the ones who wanna match the, the new earth we're seeing with the current paradigm and, and see mm -hmm. how to figure this out in experience. Well then, uh, I'm gonna tailor my discussion to this particular audience and jump right down the rabbit hole. So you guys are probably tired of intros. So where this actually came from was one of the people with seeds wanted to do a peer-to-peer -peer food platform. We all know our food systems are broken. We need to localize it. It's healthier food. It's more resilient food, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So we wanted to create platforms that facilitate peer-to-peer -peer food exchange, kind of like Airbnb and Uber meets local food, right? The problem with a lot of these platforms that have set up already is if neighbors are exchanging food through a platform that's charging fees, they ignore the platform. They're like, oh yeah, Bob's selling a pie. I'm just going to walk over there and give him five bucks and buy the pie, right? Um, so a lot of these platforms have failed, even though they could exponentially serve our local food movement. So it's just that hasn't met that match yet. And this was about four, four and a half years ago. And he approached me and he said, hey, I really know you're into cryptocurrencies. Do we build a cryptocurrency for this platform? You know, originally I told him, no, you know, cryptocurrencies are getting a lot of hype at that time. There's like a, a, a currency for everything, a currency for freaking Long Island iced tea, you know? Um, so I originally said no, but after a while with that sitting there, I was doing a breath work and long story short, it just kind of came in and it's like, wait, no, we can build a different financial system based on the local food system that can actually make this platform better than free. You know, so you can think of this, you know, Federal Reserve and central banks, they're making trillions of dollars. Imagine if some of that was a kickback to all the platforms that are serving the local food movement. They can make these platforms not only free, they can make them better than free. They could say, hey, we're going to subsidize the local food movement rather than subsidizing industrial agriculture, which we're doing, by the way, to the tune of trillions of dollars. So while we know industrial ag is destroying our planet, our collective wealth of humanity is actually going to the problem, not the solution. We spent $5.4 trillion subsidizing oil and gas industries, which has made them artificially cheaper than renewable energy. This is in one year. So this is where our collective wealth is going. And that's not talking about the trillions that are going to warfare to literally blow each other up. It's not talking about the $21 trillion that the Pentagon lost to you know, Black Ops projects. It's like, this is how our money is being used. Like people think money is apolitical, but it's absolutely not. If you're, if you're using a currency that's facilitating, supporting and financing the literal destruction of our planet, you're saying yes to that every time you use that currency, right? Now that's what gives its power. Like the power of money goes behind who's actually using it, the network size, like who's actually considering that a useful medium of exchange. Anyway, so no, the idea was, it's like, hey, we can build the rabbit hole because, you know, like this is something that takes a lot of um, time to research individually and everybody is more than welcome to do research on these topics. And I'm all for a variety of opinions on these topics, but what you're summarizing there is spot on. And, you know, part of the biggest problem with currency right now is exactly that. We're supporting the destruction of the planet without even consenting in it. So in some way, shape or other, we need to restart, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it was very difficult to do up until this point because it was very hard to set up a new financial system. 
And that's where the renaissance are stepping into now because it's actually incredibly easy today, relatively speaking, to set up different financial systems. And that's where you know blockchain and all that stuff comes in. We don't need to dive down into that, but the idea is that we can very easily set up alternative models of different types of financial systems that do actually serve our interests. So you didn't get a voice when those central banks created trillions of dollars. You didn't get a voice on how that money should be spent. You hardly got any of it. It was more like a token gesture to keep us quiet while the majority went to banks and companies and it's like myopic self-interest. So it's like, what does it look like if we actually owned our financial system? What could we do? We could actually start financing those things that are healing our planet. So all these amazing organizations and projects that are planting trees, ending world hunger and doing things that matter, they have to keep begging the old system to pay them. Well, like we pump trillions into the problem. So it's like, why aren't we changing that faucet? And we could do that if we stepped into our own system. No, but I spoke about it needing to be a bridge. So we start off with a money that looks like money. You know, a lot of people in this movement, they're like, well, we can get rid of money altogether. We can have all sorts of different ways of exchanging value, et cetera. And that's absolutely true. But the, the problem we see with that is if we make it too different than what people are used to today, that's too much friction to step into the new model. So our model was, you know, why don't we start off looking exactly like we're used to today? So you have a token that looks and acts just like a fiat currency. You exchange it the same way. But now we kind of split the script. Now there's no fees to use it. And the more you use it, the more you can earn if you're supporting regenerative businesses. So we've made the first ever better than free currency. So now when we cycle back to that platform that was trying to facilitate peer-to-peer -peer food, now that platform could actually earn revenue for facilitating payments through it. It's kind of like the Federal Reserve saying, hey, Amazon, you helped grow our economy lately. We're going to give you some money for supporting that. This is the same way. We look at to organizations that are supporting our regenerative economy. Regenerative is a big portion here because we don't just pay people for moving money because if they're degenerative, they don't earn rewards. So anyway, that's a different topic. So the idea is, is that we're actually rewarding these organizations for supporting this, which then can make better than free platforms. And if you have a better than free platform, it could outcompete every existing platform model. You know, Uber Eats is charging 20% to in restaurant owners to use their platform. That's on top of the delivery fee, et cetera, et cetera. So we can make an Uber Eats alternative that's better than free, that's focused on local food and just run that out there. We don't need to make it. Those platforms already exist. We have several food delivery partners. But you know, the idea with Seeds, too, is that it's meant to weave everyone together. So it creates this new financial system that's more rewarding, gives more value to those who are participating in it. And then we just connect the movement. Because there's already millions of organizations and groups and people and um, ideas out there that just need to get weaved together and then if we all actually came together we create this new type of civilization so that's the, the concept and you know where we're at today is starting to weave this so the first thing is that we want to give all of these movements who are doing good things in the world a share of this new financial system so we're doing a grant system right now where the citizens of seeds which are the people who are actually part of the movement get to vote on other organizations showing up and asking for a grant. So they get to decide what organization gets grants and which ones don't. And what this is doing is just aligning all of our financial self-interest. So if everyone in this you know, global regenerative movement had the same interest in supporting the same financial system, now we have a financial interest to actually help each other, to cooperate, to share ideas, to share code, because if that organization's succeeding, they're growing our financial system and my value grows. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to you know, create the system that actually becomes ours. It's a cooperative. And that could change you know, the entire script because instead of 
you know, 50 organizations trying to like fix, you know, climate change in one particular way. Now we can all work together to do it and do it a lot better because we're actually collaborating. And what we're missing was that financial interest to collaborate. Yeah, that's, so that's the, you know, part that seeds plays. It's a really interesting point in the current uh, ecosystem of uh, problems and solutions that exist, right? Is that we, this, this, this missing link in, you know, and, and there's a lot of people who collaborate and there's a lot of people who want to collaborate, but the missing link is that collaboration isn't necessarily inherently rewarding. And mm. it may be rewarding if you and I work through a difference and create a collaboration, but monetarily and in terms of decision-making to then sustain yourself, it's, it's been just much easier to stay with this whole paradigm. And so, you know, philosophically, I think a lot of people can be on board with what, what you just shared. And I think it's, it's a very clear bridge. What it comes down to again, and I think this is what you guys specifically concepted and created seats around is, is this bridge into people's real life. So that no matter where you're at, if you're running a podcast or if you have a, a brick and mortar store, uh, or if you're growing food on a farm, there is a way to kind of onboard into the seeds infrastructure. And I just want to invite you to share just a touch more on that so that everyone who's listening, who's, who's curious about that, really understands why seeds mm -hmm. is not another hype cryptocurrency, but really like the, the value system that creates more appreciation into all directions. Yeah. Um... Okay, so there's like three different points that you brought up there. So I'm going to try to <laughs> leave them one at a time. Um, so seeds, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to you know, explain this. Seeds is very abstract and it's a financial and political system, but nobody owns seeds, right? So you can think of seeds kind of like the internet. And what Haifa is doing, so Haifa, I haven't mentioned that, is the actual one of the organizations that's helping build seeds. So that's part of the, that's one of the organizations I'm part of. And so they've been helping build a lot of the seeds infrastructure, but they're also building applications to connect to seeds. So we've built a couple, one of them is called the Seeds Passport, and that's what's available in stores right now, what Julian can actually send you an invite to. And this is, you know, if you've ever used mobile banking, it's meant to be just as easily or the same way. But now we get rid of all the fees and it's your money and they don't control it. Um, so that's the first step is anyone who uses money to exchange can step into seeds and start using this currency, stop paying fees and start supporting a regenerative civilization. So it's as easy as it can get at that point. And that's what we really wanted is like, how do we make it as easy as possible to in some way support this movement? So that's the first step. The second step is this whole seeds thing is governed directly by the citizens. So we, we have citizens and that's different from visitors. So jumping down this rabbit hole just a little bit is, this platform is governed directly by all the people who use it. But when you show up the first time, you don't actually get to participate in governance because you likely don't know how the system works. You don't really have that much wisdom to bring to the table yet. So just like in our current nation states, when you show up to a new country, you're a visitor and you gotta stay there for a little bit, you can become a resident, and then you can start earning some of the benefits and then you become a citizen and you can start participating in politics. So it's the same way within seeds. I mean, it's a lot less arduous than joining a nation state, definitely but it's the same principle. So you show up, you can get free transactions. You become a resident, you can get better than free transactions and you start actually earning rewards for participating. And then you become a citizen and you can start voting in governance. And this is what is so critically important within SEEDS because SEEDS is governed by the citizens, so it's meant to change. So this is why we're talking about it being a bridge. So we build this bridge that starts off with where we're at today, but how we collectively evolve that bridge once we get on there, that's up to all of us to decide. 
you know, what radical upgrades do we want to put into it? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I can't actually vote yes for that. You know, we need to collaborate with all the current citizens and actually come up with ideas together of how we're going to evolve this. And that's what's so phenomenal about this bridge is it's not saying here we are, that's the destination. I'm telling you where we're going. We're saying, no, we're building this bridge that actually gets to morph and evolve and what island we show up to next is it's gonna be collectively created from all of us, right? Um, so that's kind of like the small vision to the big vision. The small vision is it's very easy to step into today. It's better financial exchange, great. The big vision is what this turns into is up to all of us to be able to decide. You know, and in the medium term, like, we have this way where we're giving rewards for people to participate. So again, it's like if central banks actually gave the money out to the people, actually let people decide how that money should be spent. You know, putting this into context, Bitcoin over just 10 years of its growth, you know, at one point it was worth 500 billion. So it created $500 billion worth of value and distributed that out to its community. It's incredible the amount of money we're talking about when we're talking about financial systems, like how much money we can generate and distribute within our financial system. It's enormous. So seeds has that same potential to like generate an incredible amount of value and then move that out through our regenerative movement to actually help facilitate its growth and start serving it in the way that it really needs to be served. Um, yeah, so I think I might've answered all your points there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, 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 um, it's fun to kind of watch you see this explain and the, the passion that comes with it because, you know, you, you said it earlier, like you're not the creator and, and sorry for using the word but you're a facilitator of the idea and a steward of the idea and so um it's it feels to me and i'm sensing that this is maybe one of, of multiple episodes we'll do on this topic and so i'm glad to have you on for this first one let me just kind of weave in, in into the, the next question because i want to understand a little bit more about what you said about being a facilitator for an idea in the sense of you know maybe commonly the word is purpose like what do you what do you think purpose is? And then in this specific example, how you're a facilitator for seeds, how are you experiencing it? Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking about a renaissance again, and I wanna keep bringing it back to this because everything is changing and everything needs to change. Like our current civilization is all about sit down, shut up, do a business that's gonna make money. We don't care about what your purpose is. But this new renaissance is like, no, your purpose is actually what adds the most value to civilization and society. So let's try to cultivate that purpose, find out what you actually care about doing, and then that's what's gonna bring the most value. You know, an artist who's singing from their heart because they love it, that's so much better music to listen to than the artist who's doing it for money, right? We all know this, like everything created out of love and passion is better than not. So that's actually what we're facilitating with Seeds and Haifa, is there's roles to be played in this entire movement, whether it's creating art, creating code, sharing the movement, weaving it together, like, you know, someone's passionate about doing every aspect of seeds that needs to be done. And my role is to kind of just, you know, hold that space and help people find out what their purpose is and then how they can actually get paid and rewarded for doing what they're already passionate about. So that's what's, you know, so broken with our current system is that the nonprofits and the, the passion-led endeavors of the world are generally that which gets paid less. We always have this decision, you know, make a bunch of money or do what I care about and love, you know? <laughs> Like why we ever created a system as humans that made that, you know, that polarity, like it blows my mind. So what we're doing is we're creating a system that's like what your purpose and passion is, that's actually what's going to pay you the most, go do that. That's what you need to do, obviously, right? right? Um, so that's what I mean by like facilitating is I've just been kind of holding this space for a number of years and everyone who's been showing up is like, hey, you know, I had a vision of a, 
new financial system that's meant to regenerate our planet. I'm like, great, that's exactly what you're doing. How do you want to show up to that? Well, I'm a network and a weaver and I love talking to people. It's like, awesome, we have a role for that, you know? Like, hey, I love coding. It's like, so this has been the conversation we've had so many times, but it's what's been interesting though is a lot of people show up to this, you know, so brainwashed by the old system that they don't even know what their actual purpose and passion is. They're like, well, you know, I've been really good at organizing and like helping things like come together. It's like, well, why don't you try that? And then after a couple of weeks, they're like, I hate this. I'm like, good, then don't do it. Because in our organization, you do not do what you hate doing. <laughs> so, uh, so that's been a big part of it is like just, it's a, it's a personal evolution too. And I think it needs to be where we're constantly like realigning to what our joy is and what our bliss is and then helping other people see that as well and be able to get the most value out of that. I love it, man. I love, I love how lit up you are around this. And I love how, uh, you know, like incredibly natural. This is like an eloquently, this is rolling um, through you because it's, it's just so deeply embodied at this point. Right. And, and so at this point, the old paradigms perspective or old agreements within consciousness seem completely mind boggling. Like an example that is really real in my experience is when you kind of steward an idea, you receive an idea. Sometimes it feels like it's not a human or me having an idea. It's more like the idea of finding a human that can actually carry it. And then, as you said, hold the space for this idea for long enough that mm. if the idea is really worth exploring and it, it matters to actually make it into matter, right? To so crystallize it through the human vehicle that we are into something that is visible in the physical plane as well. Really, really cool. I, I want to ask you a few more questions that kind of are, are more about you and how you see the world because I think, you know, this is, this is really insightful. And so... Another topic that comes a lot, up a lot in, in my show and in, in what I, you know, what I feel like there is, there's more to understand as our society is trust and trust and money really go hand in hand as well. And so the question really is, what is required for you to experience trust? Wow. Um, abstract trust is money. So not, they don't go hand in hand. They're literally the same thing. But anyway, uh, for me, I, I go a lot off intuition. So it's what, you know, it's more of that gut mind and that heart mind that I let guide me when it comes to trust. So if it feels right, if it lights me up, if I'm passionate about it, I trust it. If I show up and it's like something I have any resistance to, then I try to explore that. If there's something meant to learn there and then I trust that I'm meant to learn a lesson, then I, you know, go that direction. But trust to me is very, it's an ethereal thing where I show up originally with a trusting mindset in general because i have this viewpoint that i'm extremely optimistic about that everyone inherently good and that this you know this entire game whatever you want to call it of humanity is inherently a beautiful thing that's meant to help us grow so i can show up with a with a mindset that everything is already here to serve us whether it's a hardship or not it's still meant to help us evolve so i've got this inherently trusting behavior um, but as far as like you know inbuilt trust it's always about you know how i feel about it and if it just right so I guess that's kind of where trust comes from me but also you know transparency so it's something else that's a big part of me is like how honest are people being or how honest are systems being you know it's you know systems talking about transparency but they hide their books that's something distrustful you know like they're setting up in an offshore bank account it's like well why are they doing that or if that person's talking about honesty but you know, isn't going to show you what they're up to or why they're doing it or don't want to talk to you about like how they're actually operating in an organization. And it's like, you start losing trust at any level where it's not being clear and, you know, honest. 
Um, so it's absolutely, it's a critically important factor when you're talking about creating a new financial system or any organizational structures that you have that trust. And that's why, you know, transparency is built into the foundation of it. You know, just to segue a tiny bit, blockchain is called trustless. And it's trustless because you don't have to trust it. You don't have to trust it because you can see for yourself. So that's the paradigm shift is like we trusted gold blocks because we could weigh it, we can bite on it and be like, yep, it weighs this much, it's this much gold. You know, then we had this weird moment of trusting empires and like, well, I could trust the US dollar because the US government's trustworthy. Well, I don't know, I'm not gonna dive down that one. Um, this new system is like, I can trust it because I can see for myself. I can go and I can look it up and I can see this is how much of that currency exists. This is how it's being made. This is how decisions are being made. I could participate in that decision-making, great. I can see how this is working and I get a voice in it. Like I can trust this because it's mine. And that's where that, you know, shift happens. It's like, you know, a lot of financial systems have experienced bank runs where people lose trust. They try to take their money and run away, you know, but that's only possible because they don't see how it's working and they're not in control of it, even if there was. So in seeds, a bank run is like actually impossible because if the majority of people didn't like how it was operating, they don't have to take their money and run. They could just change it because they're in control of it. So that's where like this paradigm shift really starts like weaving into it as we enter into this new way of like actually facilitating trust on a global level within each other. And we, you know, this, this transparency movement is going to be so critical in changing the way we actually operate and interact with each other because we can see so much more, like we have a foundation built on trust. Um, so anyway, yeah, trust is, it's beautifully put, brother. I mean, you know, when I sense into it, this is why I asked the question, that has asked way over 100 people at this point. It, it, it's, it's really like trust is the biggest transition from the old paradigm into the new paradigm in that sense. You, again, like, mm. like right on, it, I love your answer. And, and you know, it's often, that often there is no right or wrong answer, but you can sense by the quality of how somebody can kind of weave it all into connection that, that it's, it's a well thought out, um, you know, connectivity between everything. There's so a few other questions I have, and one is about the big picture of trash. And I don't always ask that, but it, I feel like you might have a, a really good answer to that. And, and so, you know, we have a, a global or planetary uh, problem with pollution and trash. And I just want to see what that sparks in your mind. This is a, I love this one because I'm, I'm so excited for this to actually take place. Okay, so. Trash at the foundation of it is this idea of planned obsolescence. Like we actually have a financial incentive in our organizations to build shit to break down. And the quicker they break down, the better because then someone's got to buy something. new. Their only limitation is like, we want it to last just long enough for people not to like lose our reputation. But what we've seen is over time, things last shorter and shorter and creating more and more trash. So at the foundation of our financial system is a way that actually rewards creating trash. Yeah. Because actually how, you know, Apple sells a product, it gets paid when they actually buy that product. You know, a lawnmower company gets paid when somebody buys a lawnmower. They don't get paid if a lot of people are using their one lawnmower. They get paid every time they sell a lawnmower. But when we're stepping into this internet of things in this new world, where we're already tracking everything. We're tracking our phones, we're tracking our computers already. We can track how much they're actually being used and then reward manufacturers when those items are being used. And what this does is one, it brings down the selling cost up front, but two, it actually creates an incentive to make things that last because if you could build an item one time and then someone can use it for many, many years, you as a manufacturer can earn more money off of that one item than you would creating multiple of them, right? So we can start changing the foundation of our financial system for reward use. And this could have 
all these cascade changes, this simple change of actually rewarding people for using a product can change the way we even think about products in the first place. Right now, there's a whole industry of making things that people don't need and then selling it to them because they can make money. They don't care if it ends up in a landfill or ends up in a storage unit. Like, it doesn't matter to them if it actually is something that values that person's life. But if we change it, that we're actually going to track when it's used, we change this whole way. And now it's like, oh, well, I've got to make something that people are actually going to want to use. I'm going to make it built to last. I'm going to make it easy to repair and cheap to repair so that it lowers my cost but increases my revenue. And you know what? I might even share, set up sharing networks because if I can build one lawnmower that everyone in a community owns, I hate the lawnmower example because I think we should be growing food, not lawns. But anyway, if everyone in that community was using one lawnmower and that thing was going 24-7, then that organization would earn way more money off that one lawnmower than selling 10 lawnmowers that are earned, you know, used one hour a day. So that's the concept is how do we actually start from the very foundation of the problem, which is how our financial systems reward manufacturers and change it from the root. Because right now, like setting up more recycling programs and all this stuff, it's a mute point and it's not working. I'm living here in Bali where trash is a huge issue. And if we don't change the, you know, the incentive to actually manufacture trash, we're not going to change it. So this is where seed starts with. It's like, hey, you know what? Our actual entire financial and civilization systems, like they're messed up from the foundation. So anything we try to do at the top level, it's, a, it's not sufficient enough to actually solve the problems, which is why it hasn't over the last couple centuries or decades of us knowing this crisis. Like we've known since the 60s it was unsustainable, but we've only gone farther and farther into that chasm, right? So like, how do we actually fix this? We can't work on the surface. So if we can start all the way from the foundation or rewire how our economic models are set up, then I think we can actually deal with the trash problem. And that's by not creating trash, right? We can even build in disincentives, which Seeds already does, it has regenerative rewards and it doesn't give rewards for degenerative. And we could say, if you're creating trash, you're a degenerative company. I'm calling out you, Nestle and Coca-Cola, et cetera. So if you're creating trash, you're a degenerative company, you don't earn all these extra rewards. But if you changed your practices, if you used you know, mushroom packaging, if you used compostable plastic containers that broke down in three months, you know, we're actually gonna start paying you more money. And that's what's missing, is there's no financial incentives for organizations to be more sustainable or more regenerative. Typically, it costs them more money and they only care about marketing. So they'll spend, you know, $100 changing their product, but $10 million telling people how they did it, you know? Because that's all they care about. We've actually gone so far with this, with this current system, with this current pollution, that now there is a kind of a, a backlash incentive because we know through data and data sense making that it's, it's going to be cheaper to start paying attention to some of these things in the current system than trying to fix it all in five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road because that in itself carries a massive amount of cost, right? But oh, yeah. that would be within the old paradigm, this now becomes really apparent just by the way that we've kind of carried it out for way too long. I have another one for you, and that's about the education system. And I'm really excited for what you're gonna share. I bet we could make an episode just on that like entirely, but, but you know, if you could single-handedly or with a, a group of experts, um, decentralized group of experts, um, change the education system at large, like what would be a few pointers or a few points that, that you'd you'd want to throw in there? Um, one, I think this is already happening with the homeschooling movement. So that's how I would see it anyway, is like decentralized education hubs where, you know, seven families get together and they take the kids one day a week. Like, I think that's incredible because homeschooling is a lot of burden. If you're trying to do it all yourself, you don't get any time alone, right? But if you shared that, you know, burden, but opportunity with other families, that would be incredible. And now you might actually look forward to having the kids that one day a week, you know, because it's like, oh man, I hardly see them. This is great, you know, but anyway, 
Um, I think the biggest change would actually be letting the kids teach us. So we have this education system that we have this concept that we are right, they are wrong. We have a system that we understand and they don't. But if we step into this new model that we're in the transition phase and it's actually the children who are going to be living through the next civilization, they actually have the keys to what that looks like. And we're just holding space to like help them step into that new model. Then I think it changes everything where we're not like trying to educate them, so to speak, but we're just holding space for them to become the, the stewards of the new planet that they're meant to be. And, you know, there's so much power in like the rites of passage ceremonies that a lot of ancient cultures have practiced where they set up this process or this, um, can't think of another word for it right now, but, but this protocol for them to go through this process of actually understanding who they are, what their purpose is and what they want to bring to the world. And I think that's what, you know, ought to be the foundation of our, any type of education of kids is helping them actually come to what their passion is. Civilization sucks that it doesn't even like consider that. And it's like more like how can you best serve the economy and not how do you best show up in your full self? So I think that, you know, changing that perspective can do a lot without diving into all the intricacies of it. But, you know, weaving it back into seeds is like we can actually finance, you know, these decentralized education networks, like getting families together and actually paying for, you know, different field trips and different educational activities and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah. Really cool. Yeah, definitely. As I said, this could be like an entire hour just talking about education, education systems. And last piece is letting kids actually out in nature because we're, we pick up so much information without actually understanding it. Like we, we get this concept. But if you're staring at a, a complicated but not complex phone versus a complex ecosystem like a forest or a butterfly, the amount of information that kid is downloading and receiving from you know looking at a butterfly and playing with a caterpillar versus their freaking trinket that we bought on amazon it's orders of magnitude difference in how they're actually understanding the complexity of the world so i would say like definitely get your children out in nature more they need to be stuffing soil into their mouth because that's what creates a healthy biome that's why we have this instinct to put things in our mouth it's to create a healthy biome that's important like let your kids do that <laughs> You know, but more importantly, like let them get outside in nature and like start off as you know early as they can crawl, crawling in grass, like crawling outside and you know interacting with the real complex, beautifully magnificent world because they're gonna be able to get that information that we missed out on. Like a lot of you know, people our age hardly spent time outdoors. Like we spent all our time staring at a TV screen and it completely changed the way that we think and interact with the world. Last piece is don't be so quick to teach them English or any type of language for that matter, because language limits the way we think. Like we think in language now, but before we thought in language, we thought in complex ideas and processes and images, which contain so much more information than language does. So as soon as we learn language, we actually limit our thinking capability. And this is a whole other concept altogether, but you know, don't be so quick to teach in language. They'll learn a language. If they're not speaking by five. That's not a problem <laughs> necessarily. It's like, let them get that complexity of the world. And by the time they do start talking, they'll be sharing ideas with you that'll blow your mind because they've got a different perspective of the world. So if all we do is like take our perspective and try to implant it into them, they're not going to be able to teach you. So we can even be selfish about this process and be like, how do we actually like prepare a human to blow my mind and completely radically change the way I see the world? We do that by not, you know, repeating the same mistakes that we live through and actually like let them interact with a real natural, you know, enormously complex world that's out there and then let them formulate opinions based off that not you know the crap we put in front of them so yeah anyway
Right on, man. I, I, I like the world you're painting. And so this is, this is my last question. It, it has to do with earth vision and what, what your earth vision is. And let me context this because really I, I like to zoom out on the timeline quite a bit and take the next seven generations into account, which probably roughly is 200, 210 years. So I'm not really looking for a prediction, but much more like what's in your heart? What's the world you're feeling, seeing, sensing that is possible that you dream of like what is your earth vision brother you know humanity already has this and i'm going to use a a term that's you know repeated throughout every type of religion and that's the idea of the garden of eden and that's this world that's so blissful and interconnected i mean another one is avatar so people all watched avatar and what was so interesting is the most avatar like James Cameron avatar, like this beautiful world where there's these people that are deeply connected to their natural world and living in this really complex, beautiful way, right? Um, a lot of people left that movie and there's like a whole study on this feeling completely depressed. And when you tore into it, it's that they were sad that they weren't living there, that that wasn't the life that they had. And I think it held onto something that's deep within us that knew that we could have a life like that. And I'm not talking about like rural living and sleeping in a tree necessarily, but a beautiful understanding of our natural world and an interaction with that. like. We can actually tap into the, the neural network of our forests. Like that's what mycelium is for. And that's what fungi like actually facilitate. Like we can do that and humans are doing that. So like we saw this moment where like the avatar person connects their hair to a tree and then they like tap into this infinite wisdom. Like we can do that. That exists in our natural world. Like nothing that happened in avatar doesn't exist in our world already, which is what it pulled on our string. So that's what I think the future world we're kind of stepping into is it's hard to actually articulate because it's not really for me to create, it's for all of us to bring together. So I'm holding like this sliver of a piece, but when that sliver connects to more slivers then it starts creating this tapestry. And what's so cool about it is I don't know. You know, that's what makes this sunset so beautiful is you show up knowing that it's gonna be beautiful, but how it actually shows up always is a surprise and always is more beautiful than you could imagine. And that's what I know this world that we're stepping into is going to be, is we know it's going to be beautiful, but how beautiful, like, we don't know. And that's what's so beautiful about it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and one more thing I want to plant with the kids, and this is so important today, is go and plant gardens. Like, let them put seeds in their mouth, soak on a seed, like, and do it with their DNA, plant a seed in the ground, let it grow, interact with that plant, and have it be there. Just, like, actually interacting with plants and, like, putting seeds in your mouth and growing them and, like, having this relationship with them, like, they pick up a lot of that information and data. And long story short, like, they can start growing food that's meant for you. It's not like an anecdote that the food that you grow tastes better. It, like, literally does taste better because it's designed for you. And that, you know, it creates nutrition that's meant for your body because it's sensing your body. If you're peeing on your plants, if you're, like, touching them and there's, like, the oils and the information that comes out of your hands and feet, like, if you're giving that to your plants, they take that sensory data and then they create food for you. Even in an evolutionary way, they want food that you're gonna to wanna to eat, that provides nutrition for you because the healthier you are and the more you're eating the plant, like the more you're gonna spread it. So even in an evolutionary sense, like you can support these theories. Long story short, give that to kids, let them grow food and like actually make that relationship with the, you know, the sustenance of our, of our life force and what's the foundation of life. Yeah. Now I have another one for you and that's, that's how the, the name seeds come to carry for the currency. You know, this is more of an inspired thing with a group of us all coming together, but SEEDS is an acronym standing for Sowing Economically and Ecologically Decentralized Societies. You know, it's a throwback to the first forms of currency, which were seeds, you know, cacao, beans, wheat, seeds, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also, you know, the idea of planting seeds of a new civilization, like 
plant something and it's able to grow into this something new. So like seeds are those things that are able to like create the foundation of new things and grow into these infinitely complex stuff from like a single idea. So seeds are like this for, you know, the foundation that contains all this complex DNA of the entire organism. And that's literally what seeds as a platform is. It's just the foundation that contains the possibility for this to grow into some type of organism, right? So it literally in itself is a seed that once we plant it and we nurture it as a collective, like what it grows into, then it's going to be this, you know, redwood tree of magnificence as we add our energy to it, as we water it, as we give it time to grow, you know? So in, a, in so many different layers, it's, it's seeds. I like it. I like it a lot. And I get the sense that as this, you know, organism is growing and sprouting from a seed, there will be other episodes where we update on this and where we, dive in deeper for now i thank you so much for coming on the show for making the time and for sharing your passion and your enthusiasm and your like eloquence with, with this audience mm. you're welcome and something i want to plant here especially to everyone listening to this is this financial system set up now and there's a bunch of currency that's set aside to give out as grants to all the alliances movements people projects doing beautiful things so if you are one of those if you have a project trying to serve this transition we want to get you connected to this movement so, you know, reach out to Julian because I'm going to be sending him some seeds after this to be able to send you guys invites and help you through that process of actually getting some value of this new movement. Because what we're not doing is we're not creating a business trying to like profit from you. What we're doing is creating a new financial system that can help serve humanity. And that works the best way by just giving out gifts and getting everyone connected. So that's what this process is about. And Beautiful. Yeah, Let's do exactly that. Yeah. Thank you. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.